Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Thank you for joining this inspirational people interview. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I'm with Marcus Hall. Marcus, say hello. Hey there. <laughs> Marcus uh, Hall is uh, joining me for this episode where we're going to talk about systems, stories, mentoring, um, working better, living smarter. And uh, But to introduce you to Marcus, he is an author of a book that's being uh, released uh, as we speak, and it's called Pursuing Spiritual Wealth. So we're going to, he's certainly uh, welcome to share a little bit about that. And I imagine that's going to come out of the conversation. He's also a certified kingdom advisor where he shares insights on how readers can find contentment and peace by applying biblical wisdom into their finances. So definitely have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And perhaps I could share a few of the systems I use and we can discuss uh, maybe where we share uh, some ideas and, and how that manifests. So anyways, before we dive into all that, why don't you introduce us to yourself in terms of who are you? Who is Marcus? What's your story? And how do you end up writing a book and becoming this kingdom advisor and doing what you're doing now? Well, I, Jason, again, thanks for having me on the conversation today. And, and that's an interesting question because for folks who know me and to know prior life and what I used to do and, and how I start, started breaking into the business world years ago, I get that question a lot of how did you end up here doing this? Uh, my first career was actually in broadcast journalism. Okay. Uh, so I, I spent about six or seven years actually through, I was very fortunate to actually get a first job the summer I got out of high school with a okay. local TV station. Okay. Were uh, you going to college at the same time or did you just skip it and go right into the No, I, no I started going. And so I spent a couple of years locally and then moved to Troy University. Okay. The time, yeah. Troy State University, which kind of dates me a little yeah. bit there. But what was really cool is that by the time I took my first journalism class my junior year, I was already anchoring weekend sports. Okay, school, yeah. Which is yeah. pretty cool. So kind of get on the job training with yeah. some education. Well, you might, you know, for my, my own journey, when I was in college in the early years, I worked for a university as the switchboard operator for the, for the broadcasting of their learning, of their learning uh, programs. So I was in the, the control room switching people like you that were on the camera. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> that was, and actually, that was a really cool time because I also was, you know, really learning the, the the technical end while I was already getting on the job training, but then starting to learn some of that backing that I needed from the knowledge of the industry. But also, that time during college at Troy was one of the coolest times for me in that industry because I had about five or six friends that we were all very interested in, especially sports at the time, and actually created a show yeah. while we were there on, on Trojan sports and what was going on yeah. there. Any particular sport in particular, or did you all of them? Uh, I, I played baseball growing up, and okay. so I played baseball through high school before apparently my senior year was uh, the, the first year that I had to face the time that, hey, th this career is over. But what was <laughs> actually neat was uh, I actually ended up getting paid to go to those games as a stringer for the local newspaper. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. So I thought, yeah. It actually prepared me more for my first career. Than yeah, that's fine. So that was cool. kind of an intro. And, yeah. and it's funny, the interest actually came through a Chamber of Commerce uh, deal that was set up as, as juniors in high school, where I think they had about a class of about 30. It was the first year we'd done that here in Dothan, Alabama, where I'm in the uh, southeastern corner of Alabama. And you would visit once a month, you would visit with your group different industries in our area to see if there were things you might like. Yeah. And what I caught was on the journalism day, when we were at one of the local TV stations, I was that guy 
who kept asking questions. And then I realized nobody else was asking questions anymore. And I was really holding up the group. Yeah. And it really helped me see an interest in what was going on. So I got with the news director and, and figured out later, spent some time and said, hey, this is the route we're going here. So that was a passion. And that's where, I mean, that's where God had in my life at that point. And I would have told you at that point, I'm going to be doing this until I'm at least 65 years old, classic retirement time. I'm going to be covering football games and baseball games and yeah. everything, local teams. And I loved it because I got to tell stories, uh, whether it be adults or kids, high school uh, to college. Got to cover Alabama and Auburn and Troy games as a, really yeah. as a kid myself. Um, I've actually got an interview with Hank Aaron when I was oh, okay. wow. years old. Yeah. That I'm sitting there going over 20 years ago, been able to do that. Just memories you couldn't take away. But one of the things about that industry, uh, especially covering sports, which is what I did, I anchored sports on the weekend and, and filled it at nights and, and covered events. That is a weekend job. Hmm. And after seven years uh, of weekends, that was really starting to wear on me. Uh, after yeah. Were you married at the time or did you have kids? Uh, did not have kids. No, no yeah. family kids at the time. But, but I could tell if that was something down the road for me, yeah. this was not really conducive <laughs> to all that happening. Yeah. And so I got to that crossroads, really, where in the TV industry, when you're going through TV news, and you see this if you live in a small town, you'll see that you'll have a, a bunch of, of newer folks at the TV station, and then all of a sudden, in about two years, they're all gone. Yeah. And that's because it's a stepping stone. And the way that you improve your career is by taking steps, different, usually different stations, to find that next step up. Yeah. And so I took that step and moved to Montgomery, Alabama, for a little bit. When it dawned on me, I wasn't burned out on Doth in my city. I was really burned out on this industry mm. after several years already of just, hey, looking ahead and going, if, if I'm going to make another move and keep going, am I really going to end up anywhere where I want to end up city-wise yeah. or working hours or whatever? And I really didn't see that. And so I was really kind of lost mm. uh, for a couple of years of trying to figure out, God, what's next yeah. in my life? And definitely wasn't. Uh, not patting myself on the back for where I am now because I have a long way to go, but my spiritual walk was nowhere near what it needed to be even then. Yeah. It's improved over the years, but it could be even better, quite honestly. So I found myself at that point just thinking, all right, you ever have you ever been there as far as, all right, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Yeah. What um, do I do? Yeah. Exactly. And so that's where I was led into more of the uh, of sales. And, and on that side of it, it kind of the same personality traits of just being able to talk with people figuring out what they may need and matching up with the product or the service that you had. And I found myself in the banking industry after a while, of all things, which turned into an opportunity to move to the, to the financial advisor side, which is where I am now, which is really just helping folks with retirement planning, with investments, that sort of thing. And that was an avenue I never thought that I would go down. But again, God is opening doors. And what I'm seeing is time after time is being able to look back, whether it be a few weeks or a few years or a couple of decades and being able to look back and have that aha moment of, oh, that's what you had me doing that for at that mm. point. That's why I was developing those skills or that network to get me where I needed to be. Yeah. Because what I found in the past decade now doing what I'm doing now has really started to flourish now from my spiritual maturity, I feel like. Uh, definitely room to improve but have really seen where this is the avenue and this is the road he has me on now to say, listen, now we can get started. Now yeah. we can get moving with where I need you to be. Hmm. And so how does that intersect with the book? Well, that's actually what's happened over the past few years while I've been on this side of things. It's been, as I'm trying to grow in my faith, it's been an emphasis on, listen, your 
your Christianity doesn't need to be a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night thing. This really needs to be something that if we're putting God at the center of everything, this needs to be something you're exhibiting in every facet of your life. Yeah. And so what I've discovered is, is, is really that truth and the encouragement to other people that I would have in this conversation is, listen, no matter where you are right now, if you're listening, if you're watching this, God has a purpose for you. If you're still alive and you're still breathing, there is a purpose for you. And yeah. a lot of times we overlook the fact that I wasn't called to be a minister. I wasn't called to be a choir director at church. I wasn't called to be on staff. But that doesn't mean we're not on the clock mm-hmm. for what Jesus wants us to do in our lives. And if you can change your perspective and your focus, man, it opens up a whole world of opportunity as yeah. far as, well, what can I accomplish now as a growing Christian in, 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 in the role that I have now in my life? Yeah. And is that what you mean? You know, the title of the book is Pursuing Spiritual Wealth. So is that a good description of it or is it more specific than that? Well, it's a little more specific in that what's happened while I've been on, because a lot of my days are spent talking about money, talking about finances and things of this nature. And so what I've grown in is basically, I don't know if you might be familiar with either Ron Blue or Larry Burkett. When it comes to Larry Burkett. Burkett, Larry's passed on. They actually formed Kingdom Advisors, an organization, uh, a nonprofit organization for financial advisors who wanted to be able to exhibit in everyday life and with our clients what we believe because... The Bible is the best financial advice that you're yeah. ever going to find. But if you're not, you know, it's great advice, but if you're not living as a Christian and don't have the Holy Spirit working through that, you're not really going to receive the blessings you could if you're living your life that way. Yeah. And so what's happened is, as I've gotten more involved with my company's organization, it's kind of an offshoot of Kingdom Advisors, earned the designation, that certified Kingdom Advisor through their group. And I've just seen my, my interest in saying, you know what, I want to live this out every day. And what yeah. I, mean, I want to be talking about this. And so it's grown a passion for stewardship. I've been able to realize and, and to help teach others and to help others realize that, you know what, every, not, it's not just every dollar, but every minute of time, every gift that we have, everything that God's given us is really an expectation from God to give that back to him in some way, shape, or form for some use for his kingdom. And yeah. that's what's grown this passion over time of saying, hey, I really want to talk more about this with folks. Yeah. So let's let's dive into the personal side of things first. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to live better? What does it mean to live well? What does it mean, um, you know, to operate uh, in our personal life, but how that might integrate in different areas? What does that mean to you? Well, you know what the world definition is, and to live well or to live successfully is to just accumulate as much as humanly possible to, to just yeah. take as much as you can to, to grow that and there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with growth I, yeah. I, I don't use that that's good to do that but i go back to everything i'm talking about now it goes back to your perspective and your focus what's your worldview how do i see things and so when we talk about working uh, living better what that's meant to me is I, I have found so much more blessing. I have found so much more contentment, so much more peace by actually pushing me out of the picture yeah. when I'm able to. I'm not perfect at that. Trust me, every day there's a battle <laughs> in, in fighting the flesh because my flesh is strong and it knows what it likes and it yeah. knows what it wants to do. But that's not necessarily ever what the Spirit wants me to do or yeah. the Holy Spirit wants me. And so it is a prayer every day of God help me to lessen myself and to fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
and to learn habits of trying how to do that, of being in the word, of being involved with, with other Christian brothers and, and, and having groups that I, I teach a men's class at our church. That's beneficial for me to stay in the word and to be leading others and talking and guiding it in there because what you put in is what's going to come out. Yeah. As well. So what yeah, so what if what if someone like you mentioned we bring our worldview to how we see your money and operate yep. it. But what if someone was like, well, why would that matter? I mean, it, aren't sound financial principles uh, the same regardless of worldview? What would you say to that? What's funny is that for the first few years that I was doing this, uh, you know, you're giving advice that you that you learn, that you understand, and that you've you know that you put into play over the years. I was very pleasantly surprised as I went through, especially the certified kingdom advisor designation. As I, I mean, that's like twenty something modules of digging deep into what the Bible says about yeah. especially finances, and it blew my mind to learn that the Bible actually talks about finances, stewardship, money in some way, shape, or form, in almost twenty three hundred verses. Hmm. Over two thousand verses deal with money, and so it has a lot to do with as we, how we live as Christians. But I understand your your question because I was giving this advice not really from a Christian perspective but this is just smart to do yeah what was really neat was as I started digging deeper what I learned was is that the simple rules of how to plan for the future how to save how not to spend more than you earn how to pay off debt all these good financial pieces of advice are actually all biblical in yeah. nature advice that has been around and principles and that's really what the book is based on is more the principles of what god is trying to tell us and what god's really been kind of putting on my heart over the last few years that i really believe can help someone not just financially i do tell folks if you're not a christian and you're following these things these principles financially you're going to come out better yeah. than if you weren't following these over time but the key piece that you miss is the holy spirit working in you through that and mm -hmm. that you're not truly going to find that contentment and peace through living the way that we should through our finances if the spirit's not involved. Yeah. In and so what does that mean for you to live in, in peace? What that means, again, it goes back to how I'm thinking, how I'm seeing things. In yeah. that. And I'll give an example of, we talked earlier about, listen, there's nothing wrong with growing your business. Listen, I, you should set goals every year. I'm a big goal setter every year, which is, by the way, biblical advice to do yeah. so, is to press forward, to, to look ahead, but to make sure that I'm carrying, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going out there and putting out goals for myself and then going, hey, by the way, God, would you bless these goals that I've made? Yeah. It's trying to make sure that I'm saying, listen, what do, God, what do you have for me? What, what, what plans do you want me to make over these next few months, over these next couple of years to get to where you need me to be? And what's happened is, is that I have found myself changing, again, the way I look at things. A few years ago, and it wasn't that long ago, when I would set goals for each year, I would get excited about the fact that, man, if I could grow this business 15 or 20% this year, man, that would be really great from an income perspective. That'd be really great for my family. That'd be, you know, and totally leave out the fact that now I'm actually thinking, if I can grow the business, that actually means I can give more than yeah. I gave last year. I can do more good with that money. Because it's looking at what do I really need? I'm still saving. I'm still doing, taking care of my family. That's biblical as well to take care of my family, do these things. But how much is really enough when it comes down to it? And so when you start making giving a priority, that is where you start finding a peace and a contentment in your finances, I wholeheartedly believe. And that's what I've experienced myself. And that it's so much more fun 
to be able to say, how can I help others? How can I help your kingdom grow through the money that you provided for me over time? Yeah. So if you if we think about finances, our fine our, our income as a vehicle towards an outcome. Yes. Um, what is what is the financial vehicle for your life? What what is it? What's the outcome that you want, not just for you, but also your family and your community then? By, by tapping into all those principles you're talking about, which is giving, saving, and your spending. I think I understand what you're asking there as far as kind of where do I see me heading? What, what's the ultimate goal for me on the financial side? Is that kind of what you're looking at? Well, in terms of how does, how does that financial vehicle that you are stewarding, yep. what is the outcome it creates for you, your family, and your community? What it creates is basically living with purpose. Okay. And I like to show, a, basically it's a flow chart that shows the difference in how people who aren't thinking about these things, and usually where you get into financial trouble, yeah. is that what you're going to do is you get paid, okay, so the, 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 you get hit on, on the account once a month or once every couple of weeks, that, that bi-weekly you're getting paid, that income hits. And the first thing, the first thing you're thinking of is let me, let me fulfill my lifestyle and the yeah. thing I want to do first. So you do that, you're going to pay your taxes because... Well, you're going to go to jail if you don't. You're going to pay your credit card bills. You're going to pay your loans, your mortgages, you know, stuff like that, because you don't want people to come take your stuff away. So those things are going to get paid. But if the lifestyle and me spending and trying to keep up, listen, this world is, dominates your thoughts. If you watch any television, if you watch anything, you're going to see advertisements for how your life is not fulfilled unless you're buying this service or buying this product. And that's where you get caught up in the world's way of thinking of success. But if I don't have this, have you ever bought something that you really, really wanted, had saved up for, got it, and then you went, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> that's buyer's remorse. That. Yes, buyer's remorse without a doubt. I think that's part of that process of that's not, that's not really fulfilling, even though we think it is, because we're told that's yeah. what it is over time. But what we do is what happens if you're feeding your lifestyle, what happens at the end of that month is you look up, and if you're lucky, you are as, as well off as you were at the start of the month, but most times we're actually either deeper in debt or have more problems than we did in the first place. And we didn't save a dollar. We didn't give a dollar of any of that money whatsoever. Yeah. All I'm trying to help people realize is, listen, if you can be more purposeful with that income and you move that giving and that saving up to the priority list and move the lifestyle down to let me pay what I need to, let me give what I, what I need to and what God is calling me to. Part of that is a non-negotiable as a Christian is the tithe. Yeah. Let me give above and beyond that if possible. And let me save for watching out for my family. And then let me live off of now what's left out of that. Now it's a whole new perspective because you're not going to overspend because you're only saying I'm allotting these dollars for, for these needs and for these desires right yeah. now. And the only way to fulfill those long-term goals that you have is to build that liquidity, is to save money. And if you're doing that up top, you're going to come out better in the long run. It's all about making long-term decisions, being focused long-term rather than short-term, the same as eternal or temporary, quite honestly, in the way that I view things. Yeah. So let's, when you flip that over to the work side of things, you know, what does it mean to work smarter? And you talk about this, the word you mentioned stewardship. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean to be a steward in the work that we do? And how does that apply? You know, again, it goes back to if your only goal is 
to make all the money you can in what you're doing. And, you know, if you're doing that, you may even be taking advantage of people or clients or customers or whatever, just trying to sell or push something. Okay, that's going to get you what you want. I mean, that's going to get you probably some more money or, or, or whatever in the short term. But if you're, if you're dealing with, all right, God, how do I glorify you in what I'm doing? How in the way that I act, the way that I present myself, the things that I do and the things that I say, how can I glorify you in what I'm doing? And that's how I think you can incorporate your career uh, and your work, or excuse me, your career and, and your Christianity uh, in the same way. And that all of a sudden now, you're being able to talk with folks from a godly perspective, not a worldly yeah. perspective. Now you're able to take these things, which is why it's so important to spend time in the Word, to spend time uh, in church and corporate gathering, uh, so that you can be fed, but then also that you can be a conduit and a vessel to be yeah. able to use that and to be able to, you, you, something, the Holy Spirit is really, really good. And trust me, there's been times where maybe the Spirit has, if I'm in a conversation with someone, he's taken a verse or, or something that I learned years ago that came out of my mouth. And I was like, where did that come from? And I had no idea. But I'm going to tell you what, it's a lot harder for something to come out that never went in. Yeah. And that's how we can do the things we need to do to train, to be disciplined, but then to be able to use that in our everyday life to really help people see you know, this is what a Christian should be. Doesn't yeah. mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're leading a perfect life, but we're trying to do, trying to live this Christian lifestyle that God wants us to. Yeah. So, what would you say is the difference between an, an ownership mindset, a renter's mindset, and a stewardship's mindset? Okay. And I, I use the ownership and the steward one a lot. I have to think about the renters one. I, I don't. I don't use that one. <laughs> but I use the example of okay, if you're working for someone, or if you own a business and someone is working for you. Whoever that is that owns that business, that's gonna, it, it's going to be your goals and your aspirations, and, and that's what's going to be conveyed. And listen, here's how I need you to do things. As a worker and an employee of my business, I need you to basically be in alignment with what I need you to do. Because if you've ever been in a situation to where you're not on the same wavelength as your boss is, that relationship probably didn't last for too long because they need, they, they want, they need and want you there to share that vision, to share that goal, to share that line of thinking, to grow how they want to grow. Yeah. If that doesn't work out, that's fine. You probably are going to end up somewhere else and you'll find, he or she will find somebody else to fulfill that. Yeah. Here's basically the same when you talk about being a steward of our gifts. Basically, if you're living as a, a true, true Christian lifestyle, you have to understand that God owns it all. Yeah. Every gift, every resource, every dollar, every uh, uh relationship, every piece of knowledge that, that we have is really on loan from him. And he provides us these spiritual gifts and, and, and all these different resources to say, listen, how cool is it that we have a savior that says, I, I really don't need you to do the business that I need to do, but I want you to be involved in it. Yeah. And when you talk about where your blessings come from and where your contentment comes from, is when I can look and see that God has allowed me, I don't save people, I don't bring people into heaven, but when God allows me to be part of a conversation with someone, that helps guide them in that direction. And I can see that our interaction has played a part in that. I can see that something I've helped fund has played a part in that. That is not allowing us to take part in kingdom work where he doesn't, he doesn't need my money. Yeah. He doesn't need anything that I can give him. We go back to you know feeding the 5,000 with, with a couple of uh, fish and pieces of bread. And that he can provide whatever he needs to at any point in time that he wants to. 
but he allows us to be involved in that. And that is such a cool thing for me to be able to be a part of that process when I know he doesn't need anything. Yeah. And so that kind of ties in into the next topic I want to dive into is mentorship, mentoring, being mentored. Um, what do you think about the importance of mentoring? How has it helped you in your journey? And, and how do you how do you carry that torch forward and, and guiding others as well? Well, what's funny is, you know, Jason, I, I'm now 45 years old. And I am just starting to realize in the past couple of years, probably a little past the time that I should have, I'm not the youngin anymore. <laughs> I'm not the youngest in the group. And so that's what happened. I told you the story about how I started out in the TV industry. I was yeah. a teen working part-time at the TV station. That was very odd. I was around adults and people much older than me, people that probably had kids the same age as me. And I found myself in, whether it be organizations or groups or leadership things, for whatever reason, I, saw, I found myself in that position over time. I've even thought back to the fact that growing up, hanging out with friends or whatever, I would actually find myself in conversation with their parents, yeah. <laughs> more so than them sometimes, being interested in what we were talking about or whatever. But it's just started to hit me in the past little bit that I'm not on that stage of things anymore. And what I'm seeing are, you know, when you see people half your age now in, in careers and working out of college, what I, what I recall are people who spent time with me, and especially someone at the station, uh, at my first TV station, who would take me out to lunch, who would, who would spend time talking with me, who would, you know, when you're first starting out, especially in broadcast TV and small market, you're not making much. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, you know, at that point would offer five or six bucks to take out to lunch. That was a big deal back then, and it, and it, and it made a difference. And, and now looking back, I can see that that was someone putting time and energy and effort and even dollars. Yeah. And helping me learn, you know, something, whether it be about business or life or whatever. And so I think it's crucial looking, you look back now and I see those people in a totally different light of, man, they were really trying to take some time with yeah. me and maybe going through certain things in life where I just needed someone there with me. And so I am very cognizant of the fact now of trying to spend time with those who are younger, of trying to see those that may scope you out or may ask you questions. Let's go to lunch. Let me treat, treat you to lunch just to talk about things. Uh, especially Christian brothers, uh, what are some ways that I can use experiences? I'm not, listen, I can't quote the Bible back to front, but I know that I've spent time learning, I've spent time experiencing God's love over time. I've got something to offer now to help encourage somebody else. Yeah. That's all a storm or a trial is in life, is a chance for God to grow you, but then for you to be able to share with somebody else what you've been through. I've been through divorce in my mm-hmm. life with a child yeah. involved. Jason, that's tough, especially yeah. if a child is able to be moved off to another city several hours away. That's yeah. a tough situation to go through. And it took me a while. Trust me, I lived in anger, and I lived in confusion, and I lived in just a fog for quite yeah. some time. I've just, I, listen, I, 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 could, I could be angry, and I could waste time and effort. And God finally allowed me to realize, you know what? Th- this is what it is. Make it work. I have a better relationship with, with, with that daughter than I think a lot of men who live inside their own homes with our daughters yeah. on purpose. I, I had to purposefully do that and make sure that was happening. But what I found too is over time, especially in being put in leadership roles and being able to help with men at church, that's one of those things that when, when people are divorced, that's one of those things that it is hard to relate to folks who mm-hmm. haven't been there. And it's yeah. hard. It's great for folks to be there and say, hey, I, I want to be here for you and talk with you. But it, that sympathy is not empathy and it's tough. And so I have seen where I can actually be used now when I can tell someone, no, 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 you don't get it. I understand. Let's talk. 
And man, it changes the entire environment and allows someone, especially a male, a man, to be vulnerable at a time where that's not our main thing that we ever want to do, is to be transparent and vulnerable. Yeah. But to be able to spend time with someone to help them through and to be able to just say sometimes, listen, there's a light at the end of that tunnel, buddy. You're going to come yeah. out of the dark at some point and, and there's new life waiting for you. Okay. Yeah. So if someone is in that dark tunnel, they're in the valley of death right now. What would you, what would you say to them? How would you help um, encourage them? How would you help support them? You know, life is, is we, we do suffer. We do struggle. We do face tragedy. So how do you reconcile and communicate that with those, uh, with others? I'm glad we're talking today because just yesterday <laughs> <laughs> I taught, uh, we had a lesson on first Peter and in Peter instructing the Christians who were being persecuted and driven out of Jerusalem uh, at the time was Peter trying to help them with, listen, there's a reason you're going through these things in your life. And part of what really hit me in doing research and kind of looking at it over the week was we have to be careful of what happens to us, especially mentally when we go through these times of life. Because I know, for example, me, I'm one that's very easy to draw back Mm-hmm. to go into my own little shelter to, to my own place and I get very vulnerable because I'm not interacting I'm not looking I'm not reading through scripture studying scripture and that's where Satan can get his claws in you very very quickly and Satan is not good but he's very good at what he does and he knows he watches and he knows our tendencies and he knows our vulnerabilities and when you get in a place to where you're even more vulnerable, man, it's, it's time for the enemy to attack and just take you out at that point. And it's so easy to fall prey to whatever sinful habit or bad habit that may be happening when those things occur in life. And my encouragement was, no matter how hard it is, is to be able to grab, to grab scripture, to grab the Bible, to just start pouring into, start, to start looking, to, to find, if you have a church home, to get involved. And to just understand that as hard as it is of what you're going through, I guarantee you, you're not the first person to experience what you're going through, even though Satan makes us believe that we are. And it's amazing how he's able to do that, how we can look at a situation and go, nobody will understand this. Nobody. We all have our junk in life. I've just shared something with you that I never would have shared a few years ago in in, in just an open conversation because it's embarrassing. It's a failure. It's something I've gone through that was not a pleasant experience in my life. And it's hard to explain it sometimes. A lot of the fault falling on me for it. But when you can figure out that, you know what, everybody I'm talking to, if they want to be honest, I don't care if they want to be honest or not, it's true. We all have our junk. (laughs) We all have the junk that we go through in life that we don't want aired out uh, to a lot of other people. But man, if we can just understand, we're not alone in this. We're all experiencing something like this be able to be open and be able to talk with someone about that. Find the, the, the preacher, find the friend, the Christian friend is what I would be sure to hang around your Christian friend during this point of time. The others can drag you down very quickly, but you have to be intentional of being in the words so that God can speak to you and feed into you so that you can be led out of that darkness. At that point. Yeah. So what would you say, you know, since we're talking about uh, spiritual wealth in a sense, what would you say to, to someone, let's say they are a Christian mm-hmm. and they're confused. They're saying, well, if, if God loves me and if I'm a good person and I'm doing what he's telling me to do, why, why am I suffering? And I think at the heart of that is this idea of the prosperity gospel where oh, yeah. 
we do, it's a formula, right? We do X, Y, and Z and we get A, B, and C and God is more of a, more of a transactional relationship. And so how do you speak into that? How does that relate to this type of scenario? I think it's helping people realize, first of all, you know, we have this illusion. I, I don't know why people have this illusion that when you become a Christian, all of a sudden it's you signing off and going, I am good for life at this point. <laughs> Nothing bad. I can't expect anything bad to happen at this yeah. point. When if you're truly in line with scripture, Jesus flat out told us in your life, you, you will have persecution. You will have troubles. You will have trials that you will go through, but know that I'm here for you to help you guide through them. So first of all, just understand, listen, what you're going through may certainly be a consequence of actions that you've taken and things that you've done. But a lot of times it's not, and that's not, that's above my pay grade. I, I, I can't <laughs> tell you, uh, you know, which it is or which it's not. But listen, we're going to go through things that, that really are no, no fault of our own sometimes. Some is, some is not. And if we can first start to realize that, that this, this is part of Christian living, is that God has instructed us, hey, this is going to happen. But here's the cool thing. If you'll look over here, I've got the answers. I've got the hope. I, I, I've got the way out of it. And, and I talk about when, I, when we talk about trials and things like this that we go through in life, especially with what this world has been through, with people losing folks to COVID, with, with just, a, just a horrible disease state over the last few months, with just things that happen unexplainable to young people or children or things. And you just, why is that happening? Why in the world? The one thing to have solace over is that God has never looked at a situation and said, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. That, that caught me off guard. That doesn't happen. Whether we can explain it or not, or even understand it or not at this point, doesn't mean it wasn't part of God's plan for whatever reason it is. Yeah. And sometimes we're not going to know that until we're with Jesus ourselves one day. Yeah. And we eventually get to that discussion of, can you help me understand this? Quite honestly, we may never in that. So I think part of that is just knowing we may not understand that. right? Yeah. Now. But the reason we're going through that is because Jesus is trying to, one, he's trying to purify and, and, and he's trying to help you learn and help you grow through these situations. But then he's also, just like I gave the example earlier, if you can make it through this, you will now have a testimony. You will now have a witness that as a stronger Christian and as a more faithful Christian, because you allowed God to move you through this. Now you can turn around and be a help to somebody else. You're talking about mentoring. When you, when you can share something like that with somebody, that's where you become a true mentor. That's the reason in Alcoholics Anonymous. That yeah. When you're going through that, they, they match you up with somebody else similar who's gone mm -hmm. through a situation like this. Yeah be there with you and go through that. And I think it's the same thing with anything we go through. If we can find that Christian brother or sister who's been mm -hmm. through that, to be able to help guide us through and just say, hey, keep walking. It's not easy. You're in the fog of war. You can't see past it. But yeah. keep walking, letting God guide you through it. Yeah. So let's, uh, so speaking of stories, um, as you share those, what are some, whether they're fictional or real stories, narratives that have shaped you as a person or continue to shape you as a person? Help me understand that question a little bit, because yeah, so talk about that a little bit, and I was trying to figure out exactly what we were looking for. Well, it could be uh, so a fictional story might be perhaps it's a movie that really resonates with you, or a book, yeah. um, or it could be a parable, or a um, you know a um, a fable, you know something like that. Or if it's a narrative, it's it's a story you tell yourself in order to understand the world or communicate something, um, or to operate the way you do. So does that help? 
what it, it doesn't look yeah I think it does and it's funny as I was thinking about that and you know I was I still watch probably no not probably I still watch too much TV there's nothing <laughs> um, but especially younger man I was I could quit you know, for you know the TV guide for those of you who aren't my age I'm getting my, you know, oh, man, the, the printed I, one not the the website right <laughs> no no the, 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 and especially uh, in, in August or September when the new season was about to happen you got oh the, okay got that. Got, <laughs> man, that was awesome that was awesome did yes. they charge more for those issues to the others uh, I'm not sure if they did or not I, I yeah. wasn't paid for it I don't know <laughs> um, but that was so exciting because that was because you had to choose remember the back in not even VCR no, no TiVo no you know uh, yeah. Uh, no DVR or anything, but uh, so on Tuesday night, if you had three things you wanted to watch at seven o'clock, you had to pick the one that you were going to watch. Yeah. So that was a big decision. Right now. So it's funny because I saw, I really believe there was a, you know, that was feeding into me a lot back in the day of just watching the TV shows, things like that. But now as an adult, I don't read fiction. I don't, I still watch TV, but I, I read a lot more, but I don't read fiction. I read really only nonfiction. It's a, it's, it's a mixture of uh, Christian, uh, sports, I like political stuff, social science stuff as well, kind of sometimes a mix of all that in between. But really what's, and not to just give a Sunday school answer, but but in in talking about and, and looking at the imperfection of me and how do I come to grips with sometimes that, that God is calling me to be in leadership roles or to do things. And, and regardless of what you think, you are qualified to be a leader. If you are in a group of people, if you are a parent, if you work with coworkers of some sort, any type of group where somebody may listen to what you say, you're qualified to be a leader. Yeah. So how are you handling that responsibility there? I don't care what Charles Barkley says, you know, years ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a role model. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you can be. And, and it's amazing how many times we miss that opportunity to do that. And so, you know, I, I, I look back and I think about that. And I, and I look at really when you go to the Bible, and you look at any of the men, any of the people that we look at that, that are characters in the Bible throughout, throughout time that we hear about their stories and read about their stories, you can always go back, especially the 12 disciples, you can, especially one in particular, you go back to every one of them, and they're such imperfect people that Jesus chose the most imperfect of people to basically start the church and to guide it through where it needed to get to allow the Spirit to lead them. And I think he did that for a couple of reasons. One, he gives us that example so that we can see we're all called to do that. And we're all qualified if we're willing to answer the call on that. But I think, too, is that we may be qualified to be in that leadership position, but we're not qualified to be the power behind that. Because if it yeah. was up to me, I couldn't do any of this. There'd be no book. There'd be no ministry. There'd be no, if it was up to me, this would not be a thing at all. All of this is because of the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead years ago, is that same Holy Spirit that's available to each and every one of us to help grow us and guide us through this life. And I don't think we give that enough claim sometimes, but honestly, we overlook the Spirit's guidance in our life and that this is the same exact Spirit that rose Christ from the dead yeah. years ago. It's available for us to use in our lives now. And so I look well, back, and, and well, I, and in summation, I just look back at the, the imperfect people and the sinful people, not just imperfect, the sinful people, yeah, who were a part of, of how this church was built to be able to see that, not that I'm worthy, but to see that God can still use me. Yeah. So what, one of the things I was, I've been thinking about that idea of God's spirit directing us and uh, us hearing and, and being in tune with God. 
And I think part of it is that we don't want to have, we don't want to have him override what we want to do or say or oh, think. <laughs> and so it's better to just disconnect that cable or the Wi-Fi, right? And just do our thing and then come back to him when, when we're, uh, we've already made that choice or did that thing or said that. Do you know, if you find yourself completely comfortable and where you are in life, I will probably, and, 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 and let, let me kind of, how I'm saying that, if, if you don't feel the spirit of moving you to do new things or especially uncomfortable things, you're probably, the, 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 there's no being still, you're either growing or you're decreasing. And I think probably by the time you realize that, you're probably already decreasing and heading downhill. <clears throat> uh, because, and I love something that our pastor says, uh, at our church is that, listen, God is always trying to take you somewhere new. Yeah. God is always trying to take you somewhere new. And so if you're living the life of a Christian, if you're trying to live the life that, that, that God has set forth for you and you're comfortable, you're probably not doing something he's asking you to do. Because yeah. I have found, and this was a hard part for me over the years, I would, I would do things that God asked me to do, but it would always be with the caveat of, God, I'll do that. But you know, always be careful when you ever say yes to God and you're not a bug to it, you're probably in a bad situation. God, I'm willing to do that, but I really need to know what's the end game here. I'm very, uh, what is it? Futuristic. Age, profoundly, I, I'm, yeah, what? Futuristic. Well, futuristic, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I need to know details. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm very detail-ridden. That a personality, that you know, that 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 part of the mind there. Hey, I'm willing to do this, but I got to know what am I doing? What's the endpoint here? And something I realized in my journey the past couple of years is that, okay, great, maybe you did something God asked you to do, but that really wasn't faith. When you were having the question to Him, yeah. hey, let me be in. Let me play the part of God with you, and and let's so I can decide if this is where we're going. Maybe this is for me. Maybe it's not. But no, that's not my place. That's hmm. not my place. That's me playing God at that point. Yeah. My life has gotten so much, I'll say better, but more fulfilling. I like that word even better. My life has become so much more fulfilling and really fun. When I'm able to say, God, whatever that next step is, tell me what I need to know. I, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm on the need to know part of this relationship. Tell me what I need to know to make the next step. Mm -hmm. and, and I hope I have the confidence and the trust in me to take it. If not, we need to question some things about where I am in my walk. Yeah. And when you're willing to take that next step, and then he unveils the next piece of the information that he needs, that he needs you to know. Yeah. If you can start living your life in that manner, where you can say, God, just tell me what I need to know so I can take the next step for you. You're going to find yourself in a totally different place in life, and you're going to be uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Coming into a time like this with you, who I don't know that well, and you just throwing questions at me, and, to, and let, let's let's get <laughs> let's get in depth and let's get in there. That's scary for a lot of folks, but I love it because I know it's a platform that Jesus has given me to be able to maybe minister to somebody I don't even know yeah. through a podcast or through a conversation, and they can go, man, that's, I get that, yeah. and that's how God works. But I yeah, got to go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I uh, I I launched my second book, The Jump in 2019 and I, ha I had a guy from Amsterdam that somehow ended up <laughs> finding the book, buying it, reaching out to me. And he was a Christian and he was sharing his story and um, just some questions he had. And it's like, you know, like I didn't have a lot of reach with this small little launch, but for yeah. some reason I ended up connecting with this guy in Amsterdam. So 
But you know what? And that's nothing you could have done on your own. Yeah. That's a total God thing. When you look up and go, how did that occur? Yeah. And it's because of the and it's because of the gifts that God gave you. And it's because you're willing to say, all right, God, I'll, I'll do that. You know, when he yeah. put on you, hey, let's let's write this book on this subject. Yeah. And if you were like me last year, it, my first reaction was actually, mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the things you're inferring that I think is really important, particularly with my generation, as we look at the older generations, in the sense that what you're describing is, hey, Jason, you know, we need to be looking at ourselves as incomplete. And and what what that infers is a lot of a lot of adults are operating with a presupposition that they are complete, that they do know it all, that they do have it figured out, right? And so they operate from from a posture of which which can grow into ego or hubris, right? Instead of humility and openness. Is that a is that a way to say it or or does that help? I absolutely believe so. And I and I talk to and I try to be, listen. I think the success of the class that I help um, kind of form it and to run through with my guys at church is that I'll tell them, listen, we're a small group. I'm going to try to be as transparent as I can be. Yeah. And I let them know, listen, it's weird to me how I am. I, I've done the testing and all that. I'm slightly introverted, which people are just shocked by with the things that I've done in my life <laughs> and what I do, but I'm slightly introverted. But it's uh, it's amazing to me that uh, I'm able to have these kind of conversations with you, that we're able to do these types of things, that, that God has called me to be in position to where I have to, I have a, I, I am a guy. I, I like to be, you know, I, I, I'm being funny here, but I, I, like, I like to be told that I'm pretty. I like to be told that I'm doing a good job, you know. With <laughs> me. And it's amazing how God has put me in roles where my first career was in front of a television camera, in front of thousands of people as an audience, in front of different groups has been teaching classes and being in front of groups doing that. It's been, I've also, I sing in a part of the choir and praise team and things at church. So he has me in front of the spotlights and doing things like that. And it amazes me because I know that one of my problems is that ego and pride that a lot of men especially have a problem with. And I just, I want to help folks understand, get over that. Just get over yourself in, in, in thinking that you've got the answers for everything. If you did, you wouldn't need God. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need him to supply the salvation that you needed because you're a perfect being at that point. And yeah. if we can just get over that and just relax and go, listen, none of us here have the answers. We're all trying to figure this out. It's amazing what can prosper from that conversation now. At yeah. that point, when you're just honest and go, hey, I'm willing to learn something from you. If you'll listen to me and we can talk about what we know and our experiences and maybe we get something out of that and grow a little bit deeper in love with Christ at that point. Yeah. So let's shift to talking about systems. You know, we okay. use systems in our personal life, in our work, financial systems. So what do you, when you think about systems, like how do you, how do you frame them? How do they, how do they work in your life? And what are maybe an example or two of some that, that you tap into? When you ask me that, I think a lot from the business aspect of things. Yeah. Right? And how I run the business here. And I've been lucky enough that the last few years, I've never had one before, but to actually have a coach that I meet with a couple mm-hmm. of times a month to, to run through these types of things. But I love the fact that uh, she she's Christian, she's a parent, she's an advisor. And so she gets me on a lot of different levels. So we understand and, and talk the same language on that. And so it's not just a business aspect thing. It's yeah. working on, you know, when we, when we look at it, when we talk about God owns it all, he's in the middle, career, 
family, income, responsibilities, all that stuff is on the peripheral and comes around that. And we have to, we have to mend all that into the fact that he owns it all. And so yeah. it's not that, you know, I look at the example, sometimes we hear, well, it's God first, uh, church, you know, second, family, third. That's not the case. It, it, because different things can take priority at different times in your life, but you have to keep God at the center of all of that. And so when I'm doing that, basically, I told you before, I like to goal plan. And I like to make sure that I'm setting these, these goals. But then it doesn't do any good if I just set a goal and go, all right, in 12 months, hopefully I'm here. Yeah. So what I really want to do is say, all right, if this is where I think he's leading me to be, then how do I break that down over the next 12 months? And then over the weeks, during those months, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. I'm a big Alabama football fan as well. <laughs> and so uh, it's funny because we'll joke about with Nick Saban and the process uh, that he has because that comes up a lot o- over time mm-hmm. is you'll hear Alabama players talk about the process. And it's that exact okay. thing of not – Worrying about the scoreboard, but worrying about every seven-second play. Can I win this seven-second play? Am I doing the things I need to do to win this play? Because if I do that enough times, the scoreboard will, will work itself out. Well, re- yeah. And in this situation, it really has over the last decade and a half, quite honestly, uh, with, yeah. with that football team. And so that's what it gets down to is what are the key things that I need to do every day? And then the results will come from that because I'm doing the right things over time. And so that comes from not just what do I want to achieve through the business growth, but what kind of, edu- you know, the goals that I make each year have to do with uh, the education for that year. What are the things I want to do to get better at, to understand better? Uh, I have goals from family goals of how much time I spend out of the office. My goal is actually spend more time out of the office this year than I did last year. Yeah. And to eventually shorten the, the work schedule to where I'm finding that I'm doing that. Uh, over time, taking more time off to be with family, to do other things. And the business is actually growing because yeah. I'm concentrating on, I'm concentrating better in those hours I'm here and know that I've got planned out. It, it's actually working out those ways, but you have to be purposeful about these things. They're not just going to happen over yeah. time. I'm also a horrible delegator. And <laughs> when you have someone in your life like the assistant that, that I have as well that helps me, Lisa has changed my life with my business the past few years because I'm allowing her to do good, to do, to do things that she's good at, that she's really better than at than I am in the business. And that's helping take some time that I can be spending with clients and doing other more revenue producing things as well. It really helps from that, from that aspect to be more productive and more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've spoken a lot of, about a lot of different topics here. Is there anything you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance? And what would your parting words of wisdom be um, you know, to wrap up the conversation? You know, I think it's something I actually hit on earlier that I, I don't even know if I meant to talk about it at that point. But I think it's just for folks who are listening, because in any crowd of folks who are listening, there's someone who's going through a time in life that's not good. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it works out. The numbers here that show us that. I just, I want to encourage folks that if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, whatever the case may be, God's got a purpose for you in your life. And I think there's just, the world beats us down so much into you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're not whatever the case may be that you're going through. The fact that you are still alive and still breathing, you are still on the clock for Jesus. And he's got a purpose for your life to, to be to find contentment and to find peace in him, but to also help others do that same thing. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer is for you individually, whoever's listening to this and seeing this, but I know that if you're looking to him and you're asking him and you're spending time with him, 
she's going to show you that over time. It may be in just a, hey, but wham, bam, in a second, tell you that, but most likely it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. It's going to have, have to be closer and closer, just like in your relationship. You have to be in communication to yeah. understand what he's thinking and, and, and what he wants for your life. If my wife and I didn't speak for three weeks uh, at a time, I'd have trouble being in the same way with us by the end of the month and we'd be totally in a, in a bad place. It's the same thing when I'm not talking to Jesus and when I'm when I'm not reading his word or talking to him through prayer or allowing him to, to feed me and, and, and to talk with me. And my biggest thing is none, none of the two of us that, that are listening to this, nobody is in the same place spiritually as somebody else. But what you can do today is you can take one more step closer to him. You can take the next step. You may be a new Christian or you may be a Christian in the faith for the last 30 or 40 years of your life. Doesn't matter. Yeah. None of us are where we need to be yet. You can take one more step. What do I need to do to today to take that one next step towards him? Yeah, sounds good. So if someone wants to take that next step in learning more about you and what you're doing in your book, tell us, tell us uh, the places to go and what uh, where they where they might well I'll give that. you the website first. The website is stewardshipmindset.com. Stewardshipmindset.com because it's all about our focus and our perspective that biblical worldview. Yeah. Stewardshipmindset.com. And what's on there? Is that your blog or your, well, you'll your see book? I do have, I do have uh, information as far as some thoughts that I've shared over time. The book is there. I've actually got some resources as well that you can check out for free. Uh, and if you're trying to get your own finances in order, as far as some different forms, resources, and a place to link it for the book, which is you can find on Amazon. That's where the link will be there as well. And it's called Pursuing Spiritual Wealth, 40 Principles That Make Your Life Richer. Pursuing okay. spiritual wealth, 40 principles that make your life richer. And what it is, it's just basically going through scripture and trying to see some of the things we talked about today. How in the world can I allow God to work through my finances and through the gifts that he's given to me? And how can I give back to him? To, and I'm telling you, if you're honestly going through it, it's not because of my writing. It's because of the scripture that we're using. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go through those 40 chapters. There's going to be somewhere, if you're actually taking the time, bring your Bible with you because I'm going to send you to different places as well through that. I want you reading in context. With yeah. that, I guarantee you, somebody asked me a, uh, a little while back, what do I want folks to get out of this? And honestly, the, the answer that came up was conviction. Yeah. And that there's something I can be doing better, or there's something that I can be doing that I'm not doing now in my life that can allow me to have a better relationship with Christ and allow me to be fulfilling my purpose a little bit better. Cool. So that's stewardshipmindset.com. Looks like yep. you're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. If they want and to Instagram connect social. Well, and you can see all those links too, as well. Stewardship authors where you can find uh, on most of those places there, but you, you can, you should be able to link off of that off, off of the website as well. Awesome. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your life today with us. Jason, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.